so you know, I, I think it's important um, for us to understand and, and important for anybody seeing this and watching this uh, to know who you are, uh, to know bigger than, you know, the head coach Division One basketball, uh, bigger than, you know, a former player Division One basketball, but to know intently you know, who is Coach Diedrich Taylor. Yeah, I, you know, it's weird. Everybody addresses me as a head coach and they coach this, and I'm thinking and looking around like, who are you talking to? You know, who are you talking about? It's just me. Um, but but I think I'm driven by maybe a different um, a different outcome. Um, I want people to experience um, me and say that I uh, contributed contributed to helping them um, get better, um, helping them gain a version of success. Um, I'm driven by that. I'm 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 infatuated by success. I'm infatuated and driven by the work that actually leads to um, that success. And so those two things, that's that's who I am. That's what I'm about. Um, and that just doesn't happen or, or we don't just talk about those things on the court. That's that's who I am daily. And that's who I try to be. That's who I strive to be is just, you know, you say you want this outcome. Well, here are the things that it takes. Are you willing to do those things? And if you are, then you can and you can expect a level of uh, or version of success. And, and literally, that's what drives me. That's who I'm about. Do I know X's and O's? Sure. Um, do I have a lot to learn? Sure. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm going to give you all of the effort, all of the energy that I have um, so that you can you can experience a version of success. And that's in a nutshell. I think that's who I am. Being infatuated with success. Um, I often tell people I. I hate to lose more than I, you know, more than I love to win. You know, that's just success is that important to me and winning is that important to me um, and setting goals and setting, setting um, objectives. Uh, I tell everybody, you know, when I'm consulting or whatever we're working on, I say, I want to begin with the end in mind and let's reverse engineer it to reach that, that goal of success. So uh, it's awesome to hear that about you. You know, what would you say or how much would you attribute that to your personal playing career and your time you spent at the junior college level? You know, we talk a lot about telling kids to run their own race and, and not get too hung up in, hey, that kid's a four star. Or this kid's a five star or, you know, high majors are recruiting him. And I think I'm better than him. We've got a lot of guys um, who get caught up in the rankings and they get wrapped up in, you know, what everybody else's race looks like around them versus running their own race. Um, and you know, what would you say, how much of your perception of success and the way you attack each day and the way you work to get other people better, uh, how much would you attribute that to your your journey and your path from playing at the junior college level and, you know, experiencing some early on adversity and being able to overcome that to make it to the division one level? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I was really, really fortunate, but but I'll start with this you know, everybody has a dream and everybody has aspirations of, of being the best, right? Like being on ESPN and being on this and being on that, being a five-star recruiter. Not everybody is going to be able to accomplish that. And that doesn't determine or define success either. You know, there's success that can be had all kinds of ways. And so I would say, don't be distracted by those things. Don't, don't get caught up in those things. And it's really easy to do so, but be, be in my opinion, be driven by, um, like you mentioned, the race that you run, your race. In my race, sure, like I said, I wanted to be a division one athlete, whether it's football or basketball, it doesn't matter. I wanted to, I wanted to accomplish these things, but my race took me down the route of a junior college. 
King's River, took me to King's River, which was super duper impactful for me um, in terms of setting the foundation and growing the foundation that had already been set. And so I would encourage everybody to pay attention to um, the things that are important, you know, um, like COVID. You know, one of the things everybody talks about is all the, the, the distraction of COVID and don't get distracted in that. Get get caught up in the work ethic. Still, you can work extremely hard and you're going to have an opportunity. When that opportunity comes, are you prepared for that opportunity to be your best? And so what if they rank you as a two star or three star? Who cares? There's there's a multiple two, multiple three star, two star athletes that are in the NBA and there are also that are not in the NBA in terms of walking around, but they they still experience a level of success. And my thing is just don't get caught up in all of the distraction and the inertia that that other people say and or do. Be driven and caught up by being the best version of yourself day in and day out. You know, I had this, I heard the saying in terms of act the way you want to be and soon you will be the way you act. And that to me, just just from a from a habit standpoint, start to form those habits and you have a choice. You can listen and be distracted by everything everybody else says and use that as, uh, you know, uh, boom, boom, worry about it. Or you can say, you know what, I'm going to use that as motivation and I'm going to find what's meant for me. It's out there. It's just up to us to find it. Absolutely. And you act the way you want to be. I think that that's important. That's impactful for not only, you know, players um, that are hearing the answer to that question that might be, you know, a little bit, you know, set back or frustrated or irritated by where their recruiting process is happening, but coaches as well. Um, if you want to be a head coach, act like a head coach, carry yourself like a head coach uh, and, and, you know, assume those roles that eventually, and, and once again, I always tell everybody reverse engineer, it. think about what you want it to look like and then do the work now to, to reach that point. So with that in mind, uh, while you were playing at UC Davis, at what point did you identify that, hey, coaching is something that I have a passion for? That's kind of the direction I want to head in. I want to be able to impact and help people along the journey that you know I'm going on here myself. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really weird, man. Like as a, as a, as a player, I had no idea I wanted to coach. In fact, I did not want to coach. I wanted to stay away from coaching. Um, as much as I could, because you have to understand my dad was a coach. He was a high school coach and he was actually my coach all the way up until I started playing AAU ball, which was in the seventh or eighth grade. Um, but even after I played AAU ball, um, went to high school or junior high school, my dad was a coach and then was my coach. And then when I went to high school, I played for another guy, JV as a freshman and um, the varsity coach ended up getting fired. And who did they hire? My dad. And so he was also my high school coach. And so that just, I wanted to get away from that. And so I had my eyes set in, on, on being an agent. Um, again, to use some of the words that you use in terms of helping people through my experience and my perspective, you know, I wanted to, to, to be a coach within the agent standpoint from, from this standpoint, excuse me, saying to your prospective clients, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to be your workout guy. You know, it's not going to be, this guy or that guy, hey, we're going to study the film and I'm going to be that guy. So that was my niche, so to speak. And I de I was able to do that for a year and and um, it just didn't work out. You know, one thing my dad always says to me is, you know, you have your name and word. And anytime those two things get ruined or start to get ruined, you're in trouble. And I started to realize that and understand that. And that's when I started to see 
my route to coaching and the path open up, so to speak. And so I was working as an agent and I went to Cal State Dominguez as during a recruiting time and, and saw Bob Williams. Well, Bob, when I walked to the gym, was all the way at the far end. And then literally there was there was four courts going to AAU games. There was a bunch of coaches, a bunch of parents. Um, but it took me 45 minutes to get from the door all the way to coach because I was saying hello and I knew all these guys. And, you know, and 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 at that point, Coach Williams looked at me and he said, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? I'm coming to say hello. He's like, no, no. What are you doing? Get your behind. And he didn't say behind. He said another word. He said, get your behind where you belong. Get over here. And that was actually my, that was the day that I decided that I, I wanted to coach and I needed to coach. Um, and that's, that's literally how it happened. Um, at UC Davis as a player, I was attracted to the glitz and glimmer of being an, a sports agent, so to speak. Um, but we were able to to embark on another path, and and that that path became coaching. That's amazing. Um, that's amazing that you you had a different path, but you understood that your plan and God's plan aren't always you know they're not always on the same street, and sometimes the streets don't even intersect, right? Um, yes. Say so, that again. Say that again. Please say and, that again. And it's important that there's people that are placed in our lives that are, are there to pull us back towards our calling and there to deliver the message when sometimes we can't hear it or we're not hearing it, you know, from God himself, he puts other people in our lives to direct us in the right, you know, pathway in the right direction. And you talked a little bit about, you know, some of the influences that you've had. I mean, obviously, you know, working for Herb Sendak, um, you know, being around some brilliant basketball minds, Talk to me a little bit about some of uh, so, some of the guidance and direction you've had. Obviously, your dad is a coach. Um, that was your your first coach, and that's uh, you know the the first guidance and direction. But having these other guys around you in the business, talk to me a little bit about you know the importance of of the mentorship and the importance of the direction and guidance. Yeah, I was I was really fortunate, um, you know, with those opportunities. Uh, I, I was telling a guy I've known Marvin Menzies, um, who's a former head coach at New Mexico State and UNLV. Um, I've known him since I was 18 or 19 years old. He recruited me. And and Bob Williams is another guy who I played for. In my first year in the Big West, he was a long time, very, very successful coach at UC Santa Barbara. And I'm looking down the sideline. This is in the middle of the game. I'm looking down the sideline and I'm saying, dang, I, I played for him and here I am coaching against him. So, you know, very, very fortunate from that standpoint. And then there was a group of guys, Gary Stewart, um, who was at Washington State at the time. David Carter was at Nevada at the time. And Marty Wilson, um, I think he may have been an assistant at San Diego at the time of one of his many stops. And, you know, for, for me, I used to walk in the gym and get there early as I could and try to see, okay, if I had seen one of those guys. And I would literally sit up next to them and watch how they went about their business. You know, I, we, I wanted to socialize and hang out with them, but I was more driven by how are they and why are they successful? Why are you taking that note on that kid? What does that mean? Why are you sitting here? What does that mean? Um, you know, just different things. Um, Trent Johnson was another guy in terms of the way that he dressed, you know, how he carried himself. He was very, very, very professional um, from a standpoint of any time that he went on a college or excuse me, a high school or junior college campus, he always had on a sport coat. And so for me, it led me to believe or led me to say, Hey, anytime I go on campus, I want to make sure that I'm dressed the right way, slacks, uh, a polo, so that these kids or these young ladies or whomever it is, 
they can they can see what that looks like versus some of the other influences and some of the other things that we're seeing on a day-to-day basis. Hey, I can dress a certain way and being dressed that certain way, I have to act a certain way and maybe I can get these certain things. And so, you know, the influences, I could, I could literally sit here and just talk about just them and it would probably take up the whole interview. But the, I was very fortunate from this standpoint of not only was, were they willing to um, give me information, but I sought that information out. And then not only did I seek that information out, I actually did something with it. I applied it to whatever it was that I was trying to accomplish. And I think that became a different, uh, a difference for me. That's, that's awesome. And I think that's a key point. There's not only seeking the information out, right? Like a lot of times, you know, people reach out and say, Hey, mentor me on this, or can you help me with this? Or, you know, what do you think about this? But you have to be able to number one, seek with intent to learn and then learn with intent to apply. So Mm -hmm. hearing that, you know, you took those things and you took those things from these men and you applied it to your career. uh, That's, that's huge. And, you know, you have the opportunity to coach a modern you uh, started at UC Davis. Uh, that's where your, your your first assistant job was. Coach at Loyola Marymount, Portland State, Nevada, Arizona State, and now you're the head coach at, at Cal State Fullerton. So your career has has taken a journey of you know starting at that at your alma mater at, at the the lowest level, right? From a standpoint of you know being that assistant on the totem pole, right? To now you know being the head coach, being the guy that everybody's looking to to make those decisions, right? Like um, you know no, they're not you they they may give you advice, but they're not making decisions. You you went from being that guy that you know say, hey coach, why are you doing it this way? To having to answer that question. Talk to me a little bit about you know, navigating through the different seats because each place you went, you moved down a seat, right? You were you know, associate head coach at Arizona State. So talk to me a little bit about the difference in the seats and how having an opportunity to sit in each of those seats has prepared you for success now as a head coach at Cal State Fullerton. I, th- I think more importantly, the, the appreciation for sitting in, in those seats. Um, and, and the example I'll give you is, is, is at UC Davis, I worked for a guy by the name of Brian Fogle and he was an assistant when I was a player and he became the head coach after Bob Williams moved on. And he had, I mean, he, he welcomed me back with open arms and it was the best of everything. Like I could do everything. I had scouts. I had, I could go out and recruit um, everything. Um, But, but it's so funny. My desk, I didn't have a desk. My chair was in the corner because we had two other full-time assistants. We had the desk and the chair, but my desk was a, was, was a chair. And I would come in there and literally I would work and we would work together and we would do our own thing. But that, that to me just, just, I don't know, man, it just signified a little bit of the, the, the learning process that we endured. You know, nowadays I think people watch or guys watch on TV and they say, oh, I can do that. And they think, I should be able to do that. Whereas for me, I had to learn and earn my way up through the ladder. And what I mean by that is, is okay, my, 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 I had a desk, I mean, a, a chair. I didn't have a desk. So I left there and I went to Loyola Marymount. And at Loyola Marymount, I, I was the equipment manager. And, and so I understood what that meant. I understood, hey, get to the airport early, get everybody's plane tickets, um, make sure the bacon is crisp and we have breakfast in the morning. You know, those little nuances um, they became what I worked at. And so now 
as you move up from seat to seat and you start to appreciate where you've been and look at where you're going, where you where you're trying to go, you just appreciate those things at a different level. And so now as a head coach, when you tell a guy, hey, we need so-and-so jump ropes, well, you know how long that's going to take or about how long, what that looks like because you've done it. And I was really, really fortunate to have that uh, pathway, uh, being able to do those things and, and do some of the nuances and do some smaller things that make the bigger things happen. You know, and I was also really, really fortunate to, ex- to receive this advice from Morgan Wooten, who's a big time national uh, high school college or high school coach. He's had numerous um, Division One athletes. And so he said to me this, uh, he, he said, don't be driven by money. Be driven by success. Success advantage or taking advantage of success and, and being driven by success, the money will eventually follow you. And that has always uh, that he said that to me at Portland State, and that has always rung in my mind. That's always driven me. It's like I'm not chasing the money, I'm chasing success. And so I left Portland State and I went to Nevada. And so we're interviewing and that's a whole nother story. We're interviewing and I'm thinking, you know, yeah, I'll take the job. Well, Coach Fox hadn't even said the salary. And he was like, don't you want to know how much you work? I'm going to pay you? I was like, oh, yeah. How much is that? Okay, cool. I'm, I'll take it. You know, I was just more excited about the opportunity. Um, the money was great. And yes, you need money. But it was more of putting myself in a situation where I could be successful and that success led to the other opportunity, which led to another opportunity, which led to me being here now as a head coach. Makes no money now. <laughs> that, that's awesome perspective. And it's awesome that, you know, I tell everybody when you've when you've walked through the shoes of the person that you're instructing and guiding, it gives you a better perspective, not only to. Um, to be able to give them guidance, but also to be empathetic to, you know, what it is that they're going through or what it is that they may be dealing with or what that situation really entails and looks like. Um, so it, it's really, I think that it's important that you've had each of those those opportunities to learn along the way. Um, sure. and, and I think that that probably helped you out quite a bit this last year dealing with, you know, COVID and the things that happened within the industry. You know, we all, no matter what role you played within this industry, there was, there was an adjustment that had to be made um, from, you know, recruiting to coaching to, you know, just maintaining your, your mental well-being and the, the mental well-being of your staff and your players. Talk to me a little bit about the adjustments that you had to make um, and the adjustments that you guys made as a team to first and foremost make sure that your guys were good um, and that they were able to you know, make it through a, a very trying emotional year, uh, but also to still be able to get out on the floor and compete. Yeah, it, it was it was really different. Um, I think the biggest thing that, that I've learned as a head coach is, is the importance and the significance of learning how to pivot. Um, and I'll take it back to a comment that you made, you know, when, when, <laughs> when you want to see God laugh, show me a plan. Right. And so you develop and you have all these plans for your team and you're organized and you think, okay, we're going to get to school and we're going to do this, this, and this. And then they say, Hey, that's not going to happen because this person's tested positive or that. Through. So, so you have to get used to the pivoting, um, and take it for what it's worth. You know, you can get mad. Or you can say, hey, you know what? We're going to adjust um, uh, and we're going to be better for it. You know, one of the biggest adjustments is, is that 
they took our weight room from being inside and it was outside. And so guys had to live in the weight room outside, you know, and lift outside and what that presented and what that, what that meant for them. And no, we didn't get what we normally would get out of the weight room, but we just were willing to make the best out of a bad situation, make the best out of a situation. I don't want to call it bad because um, in a lot of ways, and this is a different story, in a lot of ways, COVID saved my life personally. But from a professional standpoint, um, practice was different. You know, when we wanted to practice these things, I couldn't yell at guys for a long period of time or 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 hold them accountable to a certain degree because I was worried about where they were mentally, where they in practice, or where they worried about, you know, their home or where they worried about being exposed, something simple as worried about, hey, are we really going to play tomorrow? Because we suffered those consequences as well, where two different instances where we're the day of shoot around, like we're five minutes from loading up the bus to go to, I think, San Diego. And I had to go in and tell my team we're not making that trip because San Diego tested positive, you know, to a shoot around. We're actually in shoot around. And uh, the, the trainer came on and said, hey, coach, we're, you know, the team, other team, they tested positive. We're not playing um, to also enduring that from ourselves, our own selves testing positive. So, you know, just just trying to take it for what it's worth and, and trying to be present and be vigilant of, of others that weren't present. And how do you get them present? How do you deal with learning how to embrace the suck, as I would say? You know, most people don't do that. They don't, to your words, they spend a lot of time identifying the problem. Well, the problem is, is it sucks. Okay, embrace it, but still, what are we going, how are we going to be productive because of that? And so that's what we've gone through. That's what we've tried to do. And, and we learned a ton, um, but most significantly and most importantly, we've probably learned how to pivot um, and go in a different direction, thinking or planning for that direction, but having to go in a different direction. That That's awesome. And I want to touch on something you said. Um, you mentioned, you said COVID saved your life. Um, now, as the world was dealing with the global pandemic, you discovered that you had a brain tumor, which required yeah. surgery. Talk to me a little bit about navigating through that Um the positive outlook that you you still maintain and that you maintained throughout that, um, and also how that process has has changed your mindset and your out, outlook on life. Yeah, it, it's it totally has changed, you know, everything. Um, the the year before we got into COVID, um, I spent the entire season from November probably up until the time that I had surgery with these massive and I mean massive headaches. Um, and at first they came on, I thought they were, you know, sinus headaches or whatever reasons. Turns out COVID happens. We shut down. There's nothing we can do. So I'm, I'm, I finally say, hey, I'm going to figure out what this, what this is, you know, going on and causing these headaches. Well, lo and behold, um, it was a brain tumor. I didn't know it, but it was a brain tumor. And, and God saw fit to basically show me uh, myself in those situations in this particular situation, so you have the racial injustice, you have um, the shutdown of the COVID, you have all of these things happening and people are asking me personally, how are you going to respond? What are you going to do? And so it came to me, God spoke to me really probably about 3.30 in the morning, the morning of June 11th, which I was scheduled to have surgery on June 11th and they were going to come and get me at five and they did. Uh, but but I was wide awake at 2, 2.30 in the morning and God spoke to me and he gave me this and he said, hey, you right there, you talking to you. 
this is the way that I want you to respond moving forward. I want you to respond out of a space of love. There's so much hatred going on around you. And I'm not asking you to control the hatred. I'm asking you to control your response to said hatred and respond in a space out of love. You can't control or do anything about the hate. It is what it is. But you can respond out of love. And so I've chosen to, to do those things and that love has allowed me to maintain a level of productivity. And so those two things came to me and that is the way that I try to live daily. I don't always do it because I'm not perfect. Yes, I get mad. Yes, I get frustrated. Yes, I cuss a lot. Don't tell nobody I said that. But <laughs> those are emotions that I'm learning to control and come from a space of love and come from a space of can we still find a way at the end of the day to be productive? No, we didn't have a preseason. We didn't play anybody in preseason. But yeah, there, there, there were a 14 day quarantine and our school is saying we can come out of the 14 day quarantine at day number 12, practice or walk through on a Thursday and then drive up on a Friday to play the team who won our conference, Santa Barbara, play them Friday, play them Saturday and then come home. Yeah, that's not ideal, but it is what it is. Embrace the suck and find a way to get better. And we did. We went up there. We got we got our bell rung uh, the first night. But the second night, we, we took them to task and we showed ourselves that we're capable of doing X, Y, and Z. And it, this is what it looks like. And so um, long story short, man, like, like um, everybody says this negatively and that negatively about COVID. But I would venture to say, and it, it, it literally saved my life because I don't know without, with, without the shutdown, had I uh, would have gone to the doctor, would I have sought out a doctor's opinion. No, I wouldn't have. I would continue to move on and, and recruit and try to figure out these things. And so what, what COVID did is it provided a level of clarity for me. Don't be distracted by all of the other things that are going on. Be distracted and be driven, not distracted, be driven by love and productivity. Well, and I think, you know, and this, is, uh, this isn't something that I, I anticipated us talking about today. I obviously wanted to talk to you about you know, navigating and, and dealing with the tumor and the surgery and the recovery. But you touched on something that, um, you know, I feel remiss if I didn't mention or touch. On. You know, you probably wouldn't have, have gotten the care or gone and seen the doctor had you not have been shut down due to COVID. Um, this last year, we've lost a lot of people across the country, but more specifically within the coaching fraternity and most specifically within the, the coaching fraternity of black men, uh, we've lost some really great leaders. And it causes me to wonder and it causes me to want to ask you the question, what do you think can change as far as us taking, you know, having more care, taking more care of ourselves, both mentally and physically, getting in and making those annual checkups, um, you know, not allowing the the time constraints or the tasks of the job to keep us from, you know, you say you've been dealing with a headache for a year or so, right? And yeah. part of that is the nature, you know, uh, as black men, we tend to be, oh, we'll be all right. You know, we, you know, I, I don't need to go see a doctor. Let me go, let me take the sinus medicine. It's just a sinus headache. I got a coach tomorrow. I don't have time to go see the doctor. But quite honestly, yeah. if you didn't take the time, you wouldn't be here having this conversation with me. Sure. So talk to me a little bit about what we can do better 
as black men and especially black men within a coaching industry that requires, you know, we've got July live period coming up. You know, I'll be on, you know, one side of it, you know, with my team at EYBL and you'll be on the other side evaluating, you know, those are 12, 14, sometimes 16, 20 hour days, right? What can we do differently to better um, sustain ourselves and to better, you know, put ourselves in positions to, to continue to be healthy and continue to lead uh, better, better lives from the standpoint of getting those checkups or, you know, getting the, the care that we need. Yeah. I, I, that's a powerful question from this standpoint is, is customarily culturally, like you said, don't, we don't, I never saw my dad go to the doctor. Are you kidding me? Like, no, we got something to do. We got, we got stuff to do. And, and I would say this, um, Self-awareness is the number one predictor for success. What can we do? We can be more self-aware and realize that if you are not present, guess what? That thing is still going to go on. The work is still going to be there. Um, the tournament is still going to happen. Recruiting is still going to go on. So why be there and in pain is the question you have to ask yourself. And you have to be okay. You have to be comfortable with realizing, hey, I don't feel well today. And then seek out why you don't feel well. How how can you find out or how can you fix said problem? Be aware. Sometimes it's just a little simple headache. Sometimes it is just a little simple stomach ache. But sometimes it can be a little simple stomach ache that leads to some form of bad health or 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 brain tumor surgery. You know, I, I think the biggest thing is just being more aware of who and how you how you feel, how you interact with everybody. Um, and, and, and then not only being aware, but also having enough gumption to say, you know what, I don't feel well. And then call somebody, a doctor and say, this is, these are my symptoms. I don't feel well because of X, Y, and Z, or I don't feel well and these are my symptoms. You know, uh, I'm a perfect example of what not to do. I, would talk to my trainer and I'd say, Hey, you know, I got a headache. Give me some aspirin. Give me some Tylenol. You know, my coach, my assistant coach would, would give me some, he would say, Oh yeah, I think you have a, um, what is it? A migraine. Well, I never had migraines, but I was like, okay, cool. As long as just give me some pills, as long as that's going to help me get to the next day. Well, as you and I know, medicine is only able to just do that. It provides a bandaid. It doesn't necessarily fix the problem. And so just being aware um, and then doing something about it and then also being secure enough to understand and to know that hey, stuff's going to happen. Things are going to go on with or without you. You know, I, I went to a funeral service this past Saturday um, of a guy in, who who's the brother of, of the pastor that I grew up in their church. Right. Like literally. I was a little kid growing up in their church and there were so many things that happened, you know, throughout that. But I but I went through to his service and I only bring that up just to say that he led a full life. You know, and, and, and he, was in, he was in pain for 20 years, but he still led a good life. He had a stroke, um, but, but he was still able to have an impact. Uh, and so if we can eliminate those things, strokes and, and those things, um, do that for yourself. You deserve that. But more importantly, the other people deserve that. Because here's the thing. He's, he's gone. He's, he's pain free. But we, as other people, we're still stuck here. We're still experiencing these things. So why not try to take care of yourself 
would be my message and, and provide yourself with some type of relief. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. And I think you're right. I mean, it's cultural. Um, you know, one of those things where, you know, my, my dad, I, I never, I don't think I ever saw him go to the doctor up until, you know, now as he's gotten older and now those visits are happening way more frequently and it causes you to, to wonder or ask the question, would those, those visits be less frequent in, in his seventies had they been more frequent in their, in his thirties, forties and fifties. So, um, I, I think that that's a, a very powerful message. Um, uh, Definitely, you left me a lot there to to really marinate on. You know, self awareness being the number one predictor for success. Um, and, and I'm going to take that and, and I'm going to spin in a little bit of a different direction, or or pivot as you spoke earlier. Um, you guys at, at Fullerton, you've had three NCAA tournament appearances in the history of the program. One of which was yours in 2018. Um, in, in 2018, you also you won the conference tournament championship. As you identify what the barometer for success looks like in your eyes, not necessarily, you know, what has experienced in the past or what's happened here in the past or, or what hasn't happened, but your definition of success, what are, what are some of the goals and things that you um, ha have placed on this group moving forward, being self-aware and understanding, you know, who you are and what you're capable of doing? What are some of the things you're expecting out of this group leading into this, this season? Yeah, I, I you know this, this group leading to this season is 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 really funny that you asked that question because two three weeks ago I asked the asked this group a question. I said I brought the trophy in and and we met and I said how many of you guys have experienced this trophy? And, and I was I didn't say trophy. I was pointing to it like the Big West Conference Championship. How many of you guys have experienced it? None of them raised their hand. I said great, that's good. I said two things. Number one. Your experience and perspective doesn't lead to this. So you need to listen a little clear and follow directions, number, number one. Number two, I'm telling you as good as I am standing here that you have enough talent in this room to be able to get one of those things. But the, but the stickler is, is how connected our team chemistry, how connected is that talent? How willing is that talent to make necessary sacrifices that it's gonna take when adversity hits? for us to stay committed to communication, building trust, building relationships that, that will probably last on and on and on as time goes. But the one thing I always, I, I said to this group, I said, you have a chance to go down in history because the guys that have this trophy, it doesn't matter come hell or high water, they will be a, Cal, a part of Cal State Fullerton's history. You have that same opportunity. And so we've, we've really, really tried to hone in on some of the things that, that lead to that. And talent is not one of them. We have enough talent. It's not like the NBA where we can trade free agent. Our group is our group, right? Um, we have enough talent. But that talent, if it doesn't have a level of connectivity, if it doesn't have a level of trust, if it doesn't have a level of, of chemistry and a level of, of communication when we hit adverse situations, we won't get this. And those are the things that I think have come out of 2018, that have even come out of 2019 when we went back, when we went back to the championship game. Um, those are the things that have allowed us or learned, we've learned from two years in a row now, we've finished seventh. Those things, take that talent and holding it accountable in these areas, not in a talent standpoint, but from a communication standpoint, from a trust standpoint, um, you know, connectivity standpoint, I watched the Phoenix Suns 
and they're, they're, they're I mean, they're killing people. And I didn't, I wasn't a believer. I'm not a Phoenix Sun fan. I'm never ever going to be anything but a Laker fan. So that's, that's a whole nother story. But I'm watching Phoenix and I'm listening to these guys, Charles Barkley, and I'm listening to these guys, Reggie Miller, and all these commentators. And the number one thing is they talk about not Chris Paul, not his leadership. They talk about how connected this group is and how willing they are to stay connected and how much they fight for that connectivity possession by possession by possession. When you look at a play, it's really actually simple. But it's not easy what they're doing. It's actually simple, but it's not easy when you break down the fact that, yeah, they're required to be in the corners. Yes, they're required to get in the middle ball screen. But if that middle ball screen doesn't come and, Chris, and allow Chris Paul to get downhill, and that guy who said it doesn't become a rim threat every single time, it's not as potent as we've seen um, you know, over the course of the last, two, you know, last two series. And so um, I've probably gone on a tangent in which, you know, I can. Uh, and if you didn't, you now know that. I can. <laughs> those, are, those are some of the things that that we've learned. And, 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 and really, in a nutshell, we're just just trying to keep things simple. Just trying to keep things simple so that when the choice comes about, we make the right, easy choice time after time after time after time after time. And that becomes consistent that's awesome and i you've given me so many points throughout this conversation um to to really you know and, and i tell people all the time right i learn something from every single person i interview there's always something i take away at least one thing and in this situation you know i've been jotting down notes um i've taken away quite a bit from you and i knew I knew coming into this, like I said, I've been, I've been following you for forever. It seems like, and I knew that there was going to be a lot that I could take away and a lot that I could learn and a lot that hopefully others watching can take away. Um, I, I tell people all the time, you know, if you can just learn one thing or take one thing away from each given situation and apply it to where you're at, you know, you're not always going to completely see a, another person's perspective and be like, yeah, that hundred percent makes sense. Or that's, I can take all of that and apply it directly to this, but there's going to be bits and pieces that you can take away. And I think you provided us a whole lot of that today. Uh, so I want to ask you, is there anything that I didn't ask you about you or about your journey uh, that you'd like to mention and you'd like somebody to take away from this conversation? Um, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's been said, you know, throughout the course of time that we've been been together here talking. But I want to reiterate the fact that, you know, come hell or high water, be bent on finding a way to be successful and, and appreciating and realizing um, the learn, realize the, the learning lessons in losses in not being successful. Don't just throw those opportunities away. Don't just take those for granted. Those are a part of the process. They're a part of you being who you eventually want to be. And so learn from those things. Those are ironically, in my opinion, way more important than actual success. You know, when we went to the NCAA tournament, you know, they asked me that question, you know, what does it mean? What it meant to me at that time, and it still means that uh, all the time that we tried and we failed, and we've come up with this solution to lead this group to that championship. All the times that people don't see um, you doing work, take take homage in that. Take take 
take privilege in that and knowing that you are putting in the work to eventually achieve a level of success. And don't just throw those opportunities away and say they're all we they're missed or we lost. No, there's a lot to be learned. And I guarantee you, if you look around the country, look around the world and some of the greatest minds, some of the richest people that we know, they have failed multiple times. But now we all we know them as some of the richest, some of the smartest people. But I trust you, I guarantee you, they failed more when they first started and they learned from it and they, 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 they become better for it. And so, um, I would just stick there and stay with that, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate your time more than, you know, I think that this is going to be huge and greatly impactful. Um, like I said, for wherever somebody's at within their journey, whether it be a young assistant coach that, you know, is in that first seat and, they want to make it down to the seat that you're in, right? Like, I think that this is going to provide a little bit of motivation and inspiration for them that, you know, you were an equipment manager, you know, you, <laughs> you, you know, the steps you, it, it's not, you know, you don't, you don't have to jump right into being that, you know, I mean, we've seen guys, we've seen, uh, you know, this year, uh, there's a high school coach that I saw become a head coach this year, right? Sure. There's sure. another high school coach and Mike's done an amazing job at DeMatha, but you know, he's associate head coach in Virginia tech. So for yeah. some guys from perspective, right from their vantage point, seeing somebody go from high school to the, the mountaintop, so to speak, and skip those steps, they may, they may be feeling a little bit, you know, um, they, they may be feeling a little bit down or maybe feeling a little bit discouraged. So to, to hear your story, and going yeah. from here with having a desk, but or yeah. having a chair, but no desk, right? To yeah. being yeah. an equipment manager and now the head the head coach at, at Cal State Fullerton. I think that you know that's a a very powerful and impactful story. Um, yeah. Your story of just your story of survival, you know, your yeah. story of you know taking the 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 adversity that life handed you, whether it be you know your your knee injury and having to have surgery. When you're at the junior college level and coming back from that and battling back and saying, okay, you're telling me 12 months, I'm going to get it done in nine. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, overlooking the headache and, and writing it off as a migraine or, or sinus yeah. headache uh, yeah. and finding out that it's a tumor and having yeah. surgery, but saying, you know what, not only am I not going to let that stop me, I'm not going to let that, that, you know, hinder my, my path that I'm on. I'm going to use that. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to apply those lessons to my sure. life on a daily basis. So, you know, there's so much positivity. There's so many lessons that can be, you know, taken from, from your life, from your journey, um, and, and from, you know, what we packed into a short conversation here today. So, man, I appreciate you more than you know. Um, your, your kids that, that play for you are blessed to, to have you. Your coaches uh, that are working underneath you, you know, you're, you have an opportunity to be, you know, that same mentor that Marvin Mendez was to you or that Herb Sendak was to you. So once again, man, I think that these conversations, um, I don't expect, you know, I, I don't expect millions of people to see them, but I expect the right person to see them. I expect, you know, somebody that, that's in a, in a spot that needs to hear the message. They're going to find the message. So I appreciate you delivering that message to us here today. Definitely. I appreciate the platform and super thankful uh, for you providing the space uh, for this information to get out and this perspective and my experience to get out. And I hope that it is encouraging to somebody else and um, they can take it and run with it and make it better um, because that's what it's about. It's about being better. Like, like literally my staff always laughs at me and I say this all the time. It's actually morbid, but it's the truth. Um, 
everybody has a year that they're born, everybody has a year that they die, right? But in there is a little dash. And what's important to me is that you are better from the day that you were born to the day that you were, you die. Be better, don't just exist, be better. That's what, the, that, that's, that's, that attracts me, that excites me, that motivates me, that inspires me, whatever you wanna say. Don't just sit and just be, just be better, you know? That that excites me. I get motivated behind that. Uh, my guys, I already worked out this morning with our group, but I'm excited for them tomorrow because they're going to get this energy. <laughs> I love it, Coach. <laughs> I love it, Coach. Well, we're living in that dash right now, um, and, and the goal is for everybody to be better, and I appreciate you utilizing some time today to, to help make them better. So we'll be following Cal State Fullerton this season. We'll be cheering for you, you know, and, and if there's anything I can do for you, let me know. All righty, man. Thank you so much. You. I appreciate it. Thanks. Take care.